1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
0: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse... To go and book a holiday to Barbados in June, and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm John Norman and today bring you a very, very special show. Myself, Gareth Batty and Sam Ellard looking back at TalkSport 2's live and exclusive coverage of the Sri Lanka Tour in 2018. A truly magical time for all involved. TalkSport's first overseas cricket tour in 13 years. And in the two months that saw the TalkSport team traverse... This magical island, we managed to fit in enough tales to last a similar amount of time. So, today we will let you in on some of them. A glimpse to what life was really like on the talk sport, team bus, the mishaps, the mistakes, as well as the fun and the games. Oh, and the mosquito bites. The focus will, of course, be on Joe Root's side as they thumped at Sri Lanka 3-0. But the story on the pitch didn't come close to matching what went on off of it. You're listening to The Cricket Collective and a look back at England's 2018 tour of Sri Lanka. Well, Thanks for listening to the show. This is the Cricket Collective, and uh, I'm John Norman, joined by uh, Gareth Batty and Sam Ellard to look back at the uh, topsy-turvy events of 2018, a two-month tour of Sri Lanka, taking in some seriously strange sights. Um, there were some hiccups along the way. It was our first ever tour, so you can uh, imagine. There were a couple of errors along the way. But, boy, uh, in the build-up to this show, we were going through off-air all the hilarious anecdotes, all the things that we uh, we got up to, and we could easily fill three or four hours. We won't, we won't do that. We'll just keep it to two. Uh, we're just going to concentrate cricket-wise in terms of the action on the three tests. Uh, that was the point that Sam Ellard uh, joined us. But myself and Gareth Batty were there from the start. And Bats, let's, let's just begin with, um, with what it was like, really. You know, we, we arrived together pretty much. We'd made the decision. I don't know why I say we, it was me, that we'd tour around on a team bus. So it, I, I imagine when you signed up to this tour, and I imagine the listeners, when they're thinking about a, a cricket tour, professionally done, you'd think of limos, you'd think of top hotels, the best food, you know, silver service. It didn't, it didn't really go quite like that, did it?
2: No, it didn't. But I think that's what made it so brilliant for us, that it wasn't uh, just going around five-star hotel after five-star hotel, limo to limo, that all looked the same. We had the, uh, the crazy van, which was pretty much the only constant, um, but we were going from different parts of a beautiful country uh, by road and stopping off at uh, sort of shacks at the side of the road and being introduced to all different snakes, lizards, you name it, and all sorts of different foods. Um, it was almost like uh, in between games, backpacking around Sri Lanka um, and then getting to the games. It was The cricket was magnificent, apart from a bit of rain at the start. But uh, I thought it was a trip I'll never forget. It was brilliant. I think the, uh, the off-air experiences as well as on-air were uh, absolutely brilliant. They really were.
0: It was hilarious. Um, well, look, we'll talk about the snakes. Sam, we're going to talk about the bull, <laughs> the amorous bull, um, and how you nearly came a cropper in a tuk-tuk thanks to a cow fleeing the attentions. Um, I mean, what was your thoughts? You 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 pitched up halfway through, didn't you? I mean, was it like, did you, did, I suppose some people think of these tools as like a stag do, but I think Bats is right. It was more like, it was more like we're all stopping off at youth hostels and backpacking around around Sri Lanka. How did we appear to you when you turned up?
3: My accommodation was nowhere near as nice as hostels. I promise you. Um, I wish I <laughs> I wish I stayed in the hostel at some of the times. Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, I think the way you put it at the beginning sums up pretty well. I thought I'd be flying out first class. I thought <laughs> I'd have everything laid on for me, and that just didn't happen whatsoever. Um, it was behind the scenes. I think at times unorganised, wasn't it? What I loved most was. Whatever we had to do, whether it was day one of a test match, whether it was drive time shows, hits into shows, we always managed to do it. We, we broadcasted from some incredible places on a train. We could literally be anywhere in the country and we were able to broadcast. But yeah, I mean, the, the accommodations were, were interesting, weren't they? They certainly got better as the tours went on to the West Indies, to South Africa. Um, but I think as Bat says, on the pitch, we saw some great cricket. We saw England win in the subcontinent. But off the pitch, um, some memories I'm going to cherish forever.
0: Absolutely. Well said. Well, look, I tell you what, before we get going on the test tour, we've got to start with the anecdote of all anecdotes. The uh, the one, the, the, pres- the presiding memory it was, you know, they say in cricket, you always laugh when get, someone gets hit in the you know where. Well, nobody was laughing when Macca came a cropper on the outfield. Um, and he wasn't hit in the, uh, the nether regions. But we were, I'm not sure if you were standing with us, but it was during... England training, Adil Rashid was facing in these kind of makeshift nets <laughs> on the outfield at Dan Buller and we were kind of standing at, he's a right, ha- he's right yeah, handed batsman isn't he, so we yeah. were standing at about mid off My, myself, Jared you, <laughs> you uh, and Maka, maybe Adam Reed as well, the uh, our, our tech ops sounds engineer god and Adil Rashid kind of miskewed a, a lofted drive It went up into the air. Now, up until this point, quite a few cricket balls are coming out general direction and Maka had been very, very keen to field them. The long barrier was out. He was dashing around (laughs) in his (laughs) his shorts. You know, he was hurling it in on the bounce and then one was skied into the air. And in the second it took for myself, Jared, who'd already dropped one, and uh, Adam, and yourself probably, to think, I'm not even going to attempt catching that. Macca was off. He dashed to the left, and the ball was in the air, and Macca put his arms out, and it was always going to be a tough one. Coming down over his shoulders, we always know these are the tough ones to catch, and I couldn't hear the sound the ball made when it hit the top of his finger. Jared could. He said it sounded like a pop. I saw it, and immediately turned away. And it wasn't pretty, was it? I'm not sure what was redder. Maca's blooded fingers <laughs> or his face when he came back to the group. It was the fact that he'd run
2: 20 yards. And I remember thinking, I'd taken my flip-flops off. So I'm stood on the outfield just in bare feet. We were chilling, really, with a bit of sun, thinking this is great. We're watching England train before a day's play tomorrow. And he ran 20 yards. It was like the ending of a... Of some kind of a sporting movie where it's like everything's in slow motion. It's like, oh, yeah,
3: and then
2: he's going to catch it. As his hand goes up, I started cringing. He was in an awful position. He was off balance. He did well not to break his leg as well as his And as he's going for the catch, he sort of he's almost going like this at the ball, trying to almost poke it. And it was all, it was like dropping a tomato on a concrete floor. It just went. <laughs> And it was like, wow. And it, it, we didn't know whether to laugh or cry because it was just one of those things, you know he's hurt and his pride was hurting like hell as well. Yeah. Um, and the England boys were sort of like, do we, do we laugh? Do we sort of get the physio over, whatever? It was just one of those moments. And I think, you know, 10 minutes later when we knew it was nothing too serious and uh, everybody had a little chuckle about it, didn't they? <laughs>
3: do you know what? I, I wasn't there for it, but I've been on tour with Maka and he takes the England training very seriously. Oh. Um, now, of course, this but is part, a serious part. No, look, John. It's part of his job, as is all the journalists to be across everything. But if an if an England training session starts at nine o'clock, Maka wants to be there at six thirty in the morning. He wants to be there two and a half hours early to make sure he misses nothing. Right now, without a doubt, me and Maka were always the first two guys at England training. Okay, always. We were there for the England team. Were there sometimes? Yeah, but you were there
2: to get the bacon butties first.
3: <laughs> I was there for the coffee and the bacon roll. Uh, but the thing with Maka, he always positioned himself in a position where he thought the ball was coming. Most people were there, as you said, relaxing, watching. But Maka always had to be behind something or in front of something. And I think deep down, he would have loved the fact that he got everyone's attention. He would love the fact that he was... I think so. You say there, John. No way. No, I disagree. He was red embarrassment. He loved getting involved. He would have loved to have been with all the England players, but he took training very, very seriously. Long barriers out. Every ball that came into him, he would field it well. He made sure the throw was perfect a little (laughs) wave to the players. Really, really funny.
0: Okay. What about the accommodation, Bats? Can you remember that first accommodation in Dan Buller? That really, that should, the warning sign should have been ringing out there. Have have the mosquito bites, have your legs recovered yet? (laughs) (laughs) I was one of the fortunate ones. I, only, I probably averaged
2: about 50 bites a day. Uh, but poor reading. It looked like he had chicken pox at one point. It was horrific. And we had this. Uh, I mean, in, in retrospect, it was actually brilliant because you kind of came to the frontage of this very overgrown with beautiful green, lush surroundings, frontage of a hotel, um, which I would probably now describe more like a guest house, maybe at best. And then it was all open plan at the back where you eat. And then this beautiful pool with sort of a bar that was, uh, I don't know, you could call like a ramshackle sort of a bar. And then some accommodation at the end. There was probably about eight rooms at the end. We were all in there. Uh, So we would meet at the the bar and have a drink, then go down for uh, evening meals and what have you. But getting to and from accommodation to food, wow. If it wasn't the snakes getting you, or a cockroach in your bedroom, the blooming mosquitoes were getting you or whatever the heck it was getting you. <laughs> but it almost, it added to the to the beauty of it. We were sort of two or three kilometres away from the ground and we ended up running to the posh hotel down the road to go to the gym and we ended up running to the grounds. And then we'd spend a lot of time in the swimming pool just talking about cricket and how we thought we would do some coverage. And I was learning the whole time. I was a complete novice on the trip. So being able to have time with Gerard and, and manners and yourselves, it was, I, you know, it, in hindsight, it couldn't have been a better uh, sort of, uh, call it nursery ground for me to, to try and learn a few bits. Um, but yeah, I, I must admit, I'm not, I'm not missing the, uh, the bites and, uh, and, <laughs>
3: Bats, as a as a, someone that's been on an England cricket tour before, what four years before that Sri Lanka one, or even less than two that, was it two years? Ago. Even so, two years ago you were touring in India <laughs> with England. I imagine everything was done for you: accommodation, flights, nice hotels. Was there not one tiny bit of you that thought, "What am I doing here with these lot? Come on, be honest, bats." No, I, I, you know, uh,
0: come, come on, uh,
2: come on, genuine. <laughs> genuine uh, I'll tell you for why, because it it was. Uh, I knew I knew most of the people um, from being down in the dungeons at Talksport doing doing certain work off screen and and meeting people. I knew that we were a bunch of good people, um, and we were we were hoping we could all pull it together and, and give a brilliant broadcast. So I knew that actually everybody's intentions were right. So it was just kind of look, we're all you know we get the odd thing wrong and maybe. Um, not sleeping a couple of nights because you were worried about what was creeping around in your bed and uh, whether you were going to wake up in the morning. It was actually... I, do you know what? I think it was a brilliant experience, and it, it made me try and learn more about what we were trying to do, and hopefully that came across in decent commentary and everything. And not to mention, we did rename the little Shack of a Bar to Batty's Bar by the end of it, which you will <laughs> find out about.
0: Absolutely. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, um, you're listening to the Cricket Collective. This is a... Uh, a watch-along, a look back at the Sri Lanka tour in 2018 with two of the biggest characters uh, on the tour, on the team bus, uh, Sam Ellard and uh, Gareth Batty. We will be talking about cricket. We're going to be fast-forwarding to Gore. And I would say, without doubt, the most stressful day of my professional career. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2
4: Appeal for a catch up goes the finger, he's gone. Burns has been burgled down the leg side. Bolden, first delivery off stump out of the ground. Marley just reacting a little too late. down the wicket bowled him here has his hundredth wicket at goal.
3: Bolden, I always thought that you need to be careful with that cut shot. Bilduan Pereira is
4: different. To Stokes goes on the sweep and he's missed it. Bold leg Stump, he smacks his bat into the floor in absolute disgust. Goes back again, he's beaten outside of Stump, he's done. An outside edge, the bowler
1: wins the contest.
0: You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2 as part of the following on podcast. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us or subscribing or downloading on ACAST.com. Uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I'm John Norman. Alongside me, looking back at the events of the Test Tour in Sri Lanka in 2018, Sam Ellard and the former England spinner, uh, the Surrey man, Gareth Batty. Uh, let's fast forward. We've had a little look at the ODI side of things. Um, the poor accommodation will rear its head again at some stage. Um, but let's let's fast forward. Let's cut out the, um, the rain and the 15 overs that we had in Dan Buller. Um, and that first that ODI, let's get to Gore. Sam, you'd arrived by this point. Matt Pryor uh, had replaced Mock Butcher. Um, and we arrived in Gore to realise that not for the first time, people involved in Sri Lankan hospitality, tourism and cricket have never heard the old adage, under promise and over deliver. It was quite the opposite, wasn't it? There was a plenty of promises, but not much deliverance. And so we found ourselves less than twenty-four hours before that first test match, essentially uh, with a a tent or a gazebo that would blow away on Southwold Beach, um, with threats of either lightning, torrential rain, or forty degree heat. And we were supposed to broadcast on top of a roof in a tent. I don't think I've ever been more stressed, but. I'm sure, the professional that I am, that stress was not apparent to to anybody else.
3: I've I've got to say, John, I've known you now for a few years. I think you're comfortably one of the most laid-back people I've ever met in my life, apart from the day (laughs) before that first Test match. It was crazy. I was... um... What, 22 years of age on my first cricket tour, and we didn't have a commentary box. And it, you know, obviously, it was a massive deal for Talk Sport. They'd been a lot of stuff in on social media and the press about Talk Sport finally getting, you know, the, the rights back. I know that if we're being honest, I, I, we, we received a lot of criticism from, from people that, you know, if it wasn't on TMS, there was, you know, crickets finished. And it just, I think, added to everything, didn't it? You know, the pressure, not having a, a commentary box that rain could ruin our broadcast. The heat could ruin our broadcast. And I remember just personally feeling completely useless because I don't think there was a great deal that any of us could do about it. We were on the roof. We had sort of like a little marquee. And then we really, it was just about, let's hope it didn't rain, right? And I remember at one point, I was just standing up there, like taking those pictures of stuff. I think someone said to me, "Just stop taking pictures, Sam. You know, stop. T- no matter how many pictures you take, it's not going to help anything." And I just remember. I remember it being yeah, It was absolute mayhem, wasn't it? It was. It was mayhem, but it then ended up being fantastic because it all worked out fine. And we had an unbelievable view, didn't we? We were, we were right at the top of everything, so, you know, top of the stadium, and we be right behind the wicket, and the view was fantastic. Oh,
0: it was amazing. And what added to the excitement, bats, was look. Matt, Matty turned up. He didn't know the team. We'd never even met, I don't think, in uh, in England, and he was right in it, wasn't he? You and you and uh, and Matt, you had your sorry connections. You know, he's still great friends with uh, certain members of the side, and there was all this talk about who was going to be wicketkeeper. Perfect, to the perfect. I mean, this is this is all in the editorial decision making, of course. But you know, Absolutely. who better <laughs> to have? To uh, to talk about Ben Foulkes coming in as wicketkeeper, then his uh, then his colleague, and of course uh, a former wicketkeeper keep, himself. But there was another guy who went on to make his debut as well. Surrey opener Rory Burns. I mean, by this point you'd been on the tour for a month. You kind of you knew what you were doing. So you you must have been able to in part to sit back and and enjoy watching these two guys, your your mates, go out there and represent England alongside, of course, Sam Curran. Yeah, I'm, I think the only bit I would disagree
2: with there was that I knew what I was doing. I think uh, I'm not sure about that, and I'm I'm pretty sure
3: I still don't. But, um, Bats, you you are you've got you you are you're too modern. You what, Bats? You are unbelievable. What, what's all this about? I didn't know what. I I'm, I'm going to say this now early on in this broadcast, Bats. Your attention to detail as a broadcaster is second to none. You were star of the show, mate, and it was so great that the whole, the whole of the United Kingdom could hear Gareth Batty reporting on national radio, <laughs> on live cricket, because everyone knew and everyone heard just how good we knew you were, mate. Have a yeah, look give at a, this. Give us a no attention
2: back. to detail here. We've place places, <laughs> me and you, Sam. You're sharp as a tack. I look like Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> no, I mean, look, the, the beauty of it was that yes, I, I had genuine close friends out there, one making debuts and, and two Sammy at the, at the start of his career and seeing him from a young lad. I mean, I'm quite a passionate guy and I hope that comes across, one to my friends, but but two in, in how I talk about the game, because I think the game requires a bit of passion from time to time. And I, there was a couple of times I thought I was waiting for that tap on the shoulder from you, John, where I got a bit carried away and I'm and I'm, I'm sort of looking around as I've as I've done something, as I've jumped out of my seat and gone, yes, or whatever. Because let's be honest, it's supposed to be impartial, but I, I suppose I couldn't be at those points. Um, and I, I don't really apologise for it. I hope it came across okay uh, for, the, for the listeners. But, um, you know, friends in England, you want them to do well and you want England to win. And uh, it was just, yeah, I got a bit carried away. And taking the emotion out of it was something I couldn't do if I'm honest
0: well let's have a little listen back because it was actually Sri Lanka who got on top early um, England were 105 for 5 at one stage uh, until the two Surrey guys got together Ben Fokes and Sam Curran with a rebuilding job
4: right it's uh, Dilran Pereira to bowl the first delivery and it's driven absolutely beautifully, <laughs> beautifully by Ben Fokes through extra cover for four what a shot!
1: now goes Curran lovely wonderful timing Matching the free swing of the bat that hit the six earlier. This one disappears over wide mid-on as he was a child stealing candy from another.
4: Folks does lash it onto the leg side. He pulls it away. Backward to a square. Goes away for four. Ben folks is 99 not out on Test
0: Match debut. So that's uh, Ben folks and Sam Curran rebuilding and getting England into a position uh, where they could, of course, uh, set a decent first innings total. But... Uh, Bats says, Folks was moving towards the century. Um, you know, we got you back on air. We were filming, you know, the moment. We're on top of the of uh, of the the uh, on top of the building, essentially, in a tent. Indian Ocean to the right of us, the fort over the way. One of the most amazing cricket grounds in the world. And then Ben Folks is, is approaching that milestone. Put it into words, what that was like, and then, of course, the moment when it happened. I, I think it was... <sighs>
2: The way he'd gone about his innings, um, the way he'd things up. Um, I think in the commentary box, we'd said early on that the surface would be a bit tacky initially and it would spin and bounce. And as the day went on, it would get better for batting. And there were a lot of people criticising England on how they played that first session. But actually, it was the difference between them winning and losing, probably. Uh, because they were positive when the pitch was probably its hardest to bat. And they made it harder for Sri Lanka. Knowing that folks he could potentially play the way that he did with, with Stokes. It was a great partnership. And then Sammy had a little bit of a cameo as well, I think, from memory. Um, but it was the way and the composure in which he went about his business. He did what he had been doing for a good couple of years at Surrey. And it was probably that summer that he'd, he'd really come of age as a player and, and really cemented his game plan and how he would accumulate and score his runs. It's just great to see somebody that put all the work in, put all the time in actually coming through and getting to that point. So there's an added bit of emotion because you've seen all the other stuff. It's not just the runs that are in the newspaper or TV or radio, whatever, you know, it's all the hard work. And you know how hard and, and what he'd done. Um, and I suppose a culmination of having Kumar Sangakara with us for a couple of years had helped him on how you would go about spin and tactically. And oh, I mean, it was just quite frighteningly good how he how he got to his hundred as well. I think it was a, a sort of a back foot punch to a ball that was a good length through mid on. I mean that's one of the best shots ever you will see, and ever to get to your, your maiden hundreds. So I mean it was just it, one of those things. It was sort of a script you would you would wish to write, and far more eloquent than I can put it across.
3: Yeah, I mean I remember being in in on the fort when it happened. Um, the atmosphere goal was full of England fans. It was a, a brilliant atmosphere. It was a beautiful couple of days. And I think the atmosphere of the raw when he got to that 100 was a special moment. But Bats, you mentioned there the hard work that he put in over many years. Having seen him develop and improve at Surrey, did you always believe that he had the ability as well as, as a batsman in particular to succeed in Test cricket? Yeah, I mean,
2: you know, let's let's make no bones about it. We, we sort of snatched him from Essex um, at Surrey. Um, and I would hope that he, he feels that he's, he's a Surrey man like I do now. Um, you know, maybe not born and bred. What a talent! We we played against him just as a batsman. He wasn't keeping wicket at the time. It was Foster that was that was the man with the gloves. Um, and Stewie had seen him keep as well. So the package for us was a no-brainer. Um, and he didn't start with the gloves straight away, sir. Uh, he had to earn that right. Gary Wilson had a very good year the year before, and he had to he had to take those gloves off him with of runs as well as um, keeping up his his keeping at. I think most people would recognise for the last two or three years he's been the best gloveman in the country, if not longer. Um, He's fantastic behind the stumps. But we all know Adam Gilchrist changed the face to wicket-keeping. You've got to get your runs now. Um, And that was the thing. It was volume of runs uh, and and getting them at the right time that he was looking for. Um, And as I say, that summer, he really, from a guesstimate, I think he probably got about 750 runs at, give or take, 45-50 average and batting at 6-7-8 you can only get the volume of runs that your team allows you to. Because if you don't bat uh, lots of times, you're not going to get the thousand runs. And he played some really good innings for us and, and being you know, sort of the, the spine of, of the team from a batting point of view, as well as his, his keeping. But yeah, you, you don't see the whole having to add things to your game. Yes, you can be naturally very gifted, but then putting that all together as a package to consistently score your runs to consistently have a process to scoring the runs. Anybody can go out and smack a few and, and play well and get the 100, but to consistently do that, there has to be a process, there has to be a method. Um, and over a good two or three years, we worked very, very hard to get to that uh, process and method. And I made 100 on debut. I mean, wow, that's uh, that's pretty impressive.
0: Well, let's hear how it sounded on Talk Sport 2.
4: Lacmal is on his way. Reaches umpire Gaffney and bowls, Folks, Yes, yeah, oh, on the onside, they take one is it going to go all the way it just gets to the advertising rope at the far end and Ben folks has a hundred on debut he takes his helmet off raises bat and helmet to the sky and goes to meet James Anderson in the middle of the pitch and now holds his bat up and shows it to all parts of the ground folks on debut from 200 balls is 103 not out. England, 338 for
1: nine. That is amazing. Um, I'd, I'd say it'll probably sink in in the next couple of days when I can kind of reflect on it because it's just been a whirlwind and it just all happened at once. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's what I've dreamed of as a kid and it's amazing to have happened.
0: That was Ben, folks, uh, reaching 100 on debut on Talksport Sport 2. And you're listening to Talk Sport 2. This is The Cricket Collective with myself, John Norman, Gareth Batty and Sam Ellard. A watch-along. Of England's Tour of Sri Lanka in 2018.
3: He goes in and bowls once again. Yeah. Oh,
4: the ball bunted to mid wickets! And Matthews is gone! He was looking to stay deep in the crease, turn it on the onside, but he's got his angles wrong and he's just bunted it straight to mid wickets. And England, well, it feels like they're counting down the moments now. That's a huge wicket.
0: You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Myself, John Norman, Gareth Batty and Sam Ellard looking back at England's Tour of Sri Lanka in 2018, which was broadcast live and exclusively on TalkSport 2. Right, we are in Gaul. Uh, We're still broadcasting. We haven't been flooded out. We haven't been electrocuted and we haven't been drowned. We haven't fallen off off the top of the building. Uh, We're still going. Um, Sri Lanka, though, bit of a problem. There was a huge story in the build-up to this series. Angelo Matthews, their star all-rounder, the former captain, he'd been binned from the ODI side. There was lots of whispers about why, but he was back in the test side just as, uh, as batsman, though. He wasn't captaining. Uh, and the makeup of the England team was always going to be interesting. Three spinners they went with in Jack Leach, Moeen Ali and Adil Rashid. Um, and it was Moeen Ali who actually ended the series top wicket-taker, joint top wicket-taker, I think. Uh, His first fourfer. how quickly things have turned for him. But it was Sri Lanka who lost early wickets. So let's hear how that sounded on TalkSport2. Driven over the air and
4: caught at short cover. Tremendous piece of captaincy, field setting, bowling. Drew Dikwella into the drive. Oh, Oh. good delivery and he's got it. for what
1: a catch from Ben Stokes. Come on, Ali Rashid, you're better than that. 239 for eight here. England eager to finish the yes, yes. Rashid. Lovely bit of spin bowling. Like Malwait, slightly open stance. He can, has can. a go at that. It lobs up in the air. The innings is over.
0: So Sri Lanka bowled out, and England with a first innings lead. And the conversation now turned, guys, to Keaton Jennings. Can you remember? It was all about his use of the reverse sweep. Traditionally, it's seen as quite a risky shot, but Jared, in Jared's role, was actually of the opinion that he plays it so well, it's actually quite a risk-free shot. And so it proved as uh, as he moved towards 100 and and did so with quite a lot of style. Yes, um,
2: he he was under a huge amount of pressure. Um, There were a lot of people talking about his method and how he would go about things. He came with a big rap of being a good player of spin. And I think it's a a message for everybody out there that plays club cricket on a weekend that actually it doesn't matter what your method is as long as it works for you. And I think it showed with with Jared's research about the reverse sweep and how well he played it. You've got to trust that. And sometimes that is your best form of defence to go to something that is the easiest thing for you to play and the easiest way to go about it. Yes, you have to pick the right ball, so on and so forth. But generally, if it's your best skill, your outcome is generally... Uh, where you want it to be and I think it uh, was very brave from Jennings I remember early on in his innings he went to it very early I think Sri Lanka opened with spin uh, and I think he put the spinners under pressure very very early uh, with the reverse sweep which then made it easier for him so sometimes you have to take a calculated risk um, and I think he did so I kept the odds in his favour and, uh, and played quite brilliantly and set, uh, set the game up for England.
0: Well, let's hear the moment that Keaton Jennings reached 100 on Talk Sport 2.
4: Dan and Jada Silva around the wicket to Keaton Jennings. He pulls no, it yeah! a bit short, turns round the corner and it goes to that fielder who wasn't saving the single. Keaton Jennings gets the one he needs to backward square leg. Keaton Jennings has a second Test Match 100, removes the helmet, waves the bat at the dressing room and now shows it to all parts of the Gaul International Cricket Stadium. Keaton Jennings reaches three figures, walks down, has a hug with Joss Butler. He's made it for the second time in his career, and England are in a great position, and Keaton Jennings can enjoy this moment. It's
1: been an unbelievable day for for myself. Um, I suppose feeling that pinch coming into a test match, Um, but just really pleased to, to, I suppose, drive us into a position where hopefully we can go and win the test match.
0: Keaton Jennings uh, speaking to the TalkSport2 team. Uh, Sam Ellard. By this point, uh, you were a few days into your new role, weren't you? Uh, and started to make friends with with the Barmy Army. Uh, give us an idea about how that was going.
3: Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, um, it, was, it was it was the first time I watched England on tour, and um, passionate, hardcore fans who want to go and watch cricket, have a good time, have a few pints, um, make new songs. I mean, I think Keir Ben Folks, we mentioned him earlier. He scored 100 um, on debut. And then later that evening, they'd really come up with a new song for him. Uh, they packed out goal four. I think me and Bats, we, we went around a couple of times, didn't we, and did some social media stuff. Um, I think we interviewed Ben's Ben's brother and mum, I think, as well, the morning after he got 100. That's when I, uh, I stopped playing. Do you remember, Bats, by the way, how I – because this is, on the three cricket tours that I've done, the thing that gets reminded to me the most is how I stopped playing. Do you remember what happened, Bats? I was actually with you when it happened. Are you kidding me? Do I remember? You absolute (laughs) idiot. Of course I remember. Yeah, it was, um, it was, so Ben Fogle's got the 100 on debut and the morning
0: after... I nearly wet myself as you were
2: doing it. I let
3: you do it. I nearly oh, wet myself. <laughs> how can you let me do it? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So for those that don't know, it's in the TalkSport book, by the way, the 20 years of TalkSport book. <laughs> ben folks got 100 on debut. The morning after, we'd arranged to interview his mum and his, his mum and brother, but we didn't know where they were. So only Pope was 12th man. So we went down to the side of the pitch, and him and Stuart Broad were sat under umbrellas. We ended up getting chat to them more Sorry, you were talking to them. I was just I was just sat there enjoying it. I mean, I'm, I'm next to Stuart Broad, Naughty Pope doing a test match. I mean, we were there for quite a while. And as I got up, I'd obviously just lost my bearings. I didn't know where I was, I, you know, because we were there for a, a long time. And I just remember walking, and I just remember shouting, hey! And I look around, and people are pointing at me, and I think, you've got to be joking me. And then I turn around the other way, and Josh Butler, Joss Butler has his arm in the air, and he's waving and shouting. And I look to my right and Stuart Broad is just shaking his head like, what are you (laughs) doing, mate? And then I think to myself, I might get away with this because we're right up top, aren't we, on the roof? I thought, maybe no one's seen that it's me. And of course, Bats goes straight up and tells everyone on air what's (laughs) happened. And I think, thanks a lot, Bats. But yeah, three days into my cricket test career, my debut, I managed to stop play at an England test match, which was, um, looking back at it now, it was fun. But at the time, it was very embarrassing. Hey, two blokes got 100 in the game. England won the game. And people were still talking about you over
0: everything. Yeah. <laughs> the other, the other thing was, there was, that was Harath's final test match. Yeah. Nobody was interested.
3: It was no, all about Sam. Yeah, yeah, it was about Ben Folk and Sam Mellard. But um, no, thanks, actually, for me. thanks for stopping me, Bats. Actually, you've reminded me of another really crazy moment in that
0: test match, which I completely forgot about. But can you remember, Keaton Jennings was batting and Harath came on to bowl for what was going to be like his final test. And from the, the moment the ball left the bowler's hand, they just fired off all these rockets.
1: There's a chant coming from, from the schoolboys, Harath uh, Harath. Here come the fireworks he comes into the attack for the first time. Will he create fireworks? That's the question. Is that for real? We've yeah. got fireworks before the bowler comes across. Of up. course, of course. This is Sri Lanka where things are different and exciting. And, and now, and now that the brass section plays up a tune to welcome Rangana Harath into the attack in his final Test match to bowl Keaton Jennings, in he comes, he drifts the ball away from the bat, and a huge firework thunders into the morning sky that says "G'day"
3: to Keaton Jennings. What is going on? This is a benefit match. Yeah, that was quite. Was that quite an underwhelming experience, wasn't it? Poor Ralph not getting the best end of ever, isn't it? He's just flanking a Sri legend. <laughs> I never,
0: that, understand, I never understand players retiring midway through a series. It's a yeah. particularly Sri Lankan thing. It's like they want to go out in their own home ground. But it's like, it's, there's still another two tests. You play, one, you,
3: you play one test match, you get a B and he's off, he's had <laughs> nothing.
0: The
2: bizarre thing is, he's the most shy retiring man you'll ever meet. Really nice fella. He didn't want all the, the big razzmatazz and <laughs> everything.
3: Yeah, quite a send-off.
0: It was so Sri Lanka are bowled out uh, England uh, well G- Jennings gets the 100 and England's way ahead uh, Sri Lanka facing uh, an impossible task so I think they made half the 50 odds without losing a wicket and then Moeen Ali another 4 wickets that was 8 for the match England win by 211 runs and uh, let's hear how that sounded on TalkSport 2
1: oh he's out as he run out maybe this is really tight yes it's out it is Ranga the Harath run out by Ben Stokes' throw and Ben Foulkes' completion of the moment. And that means that Ben Folkes, in his first Test match, who made that superb 100, who's kept wickets so tidily... Has executed the final act of the match. What a performance!
0: So England go one 0 up on Talksport two, beating Sri Lanka by 211 runs inside four days. I can't remember how we celebrated. Um, your wife and, and your little one were out there in Gaul by this point, weren't they? My folks had come out, my son and my wife, but they'd all they'd all gone by this point. Um, Sam, what did we
3: get up to? I, I can't even remember. I remember we had a nice a nice. I think we had a, a couple of glasses of, of of champagne. Was it on the on the roof? Um, after the test match, which I think was very nice, and then to be honest, Sean, you were probably tucked up in bed by nine o'clock, and me and the boys were out and about in Gaul, having a having a good night, you know. So that was goal done, um, and what a what a
0: what a spot it is too. The next stop was Candy, the second test match, and uh, and scene of uh, of Gareth Batty going viral on social media after encountering the snake outside the ground. Can you remember? Oh. Do I? I still have nightmares about that.
2: <laughs> it, was, it was about 20 foot long and really, it was massive. It was like one of those big ropes, you know, people do the whole new gym thing. It was a massive thing. And the, the little Sri Lankan fellas were taking the mick out of me. They were all, they'd hustled it into a corner. And they're like, come on, up, a, come on over, come on over. It wasn't
0: just the Sri Lankan fellas, mate. <laughs> <laughs>
2: they were like throwing sticks at me and socks at me. I was like panicking, panicking. And some of the bits off that we didn't fully get on, on the camera were that They were getting me closer to it and showing me it. And they were like, oh, it's in there. And you could just see a little bit. And then they'd scare me off. And I was like, this is ridiculous. They were trying to get me bitten, these little sods. <laughs> I was panicking like heck. It was a hell of an experience, though. And then, they, and then to boot, they caught it. And they put it in this massive sack. And literally, you had the road where you drive into at the back of the stadium. A bit of grass, maybe a metre long, a river. And they just chucked down the grass. So it was only a metre further away from us than it started. I was like, what are you doing? And the fellow was like, I like, will just going, going to the river and go up into this bit. I was like, yeah, of course it will. Our country box is only there, pal. <laughs> well,
0: let's hear how that sounded on uh, social media. What's that? Whoa! <laughs> you
4: lads are having a laugh
0: are you. Hey, what's that all about? Let's get out of me. <laughs> Hey, what's going on? Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. So that was Gareth Batty showing the world just how brave he is when encountering uh, a <laughs> steak the size of a of a, small, a small worm. Um, in fairness, though, I talked about getting stressed in Gaul. I had another stressful moment in Candy, but you'll hear about that very shortly. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on Talks Walk 2. .org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan.
4: Here comes
3: Bobby the other oh, oh, oh. Down the wicket
4: and has it gone all the way, he's going to check. Now what group did very well was it six. He's just up Raby confirmed it's six. He went down the wicket and hit it with the turn. Down the pitch, he comes. Oh, that's countering it, and it's six.
1: What about that for a strike? Hit it hard and flat. like an Exocet missile. What's more, it's got into 90. You're listening to The Quickie Collective
0: on TalkSport 2. I'm John Norman, alongside Gareth Batty and Sam Ellard, looking back at England's tour of Sri Lanka, and uh, some of the uh, tales from touring life. Uh, Six-hour bus journey. Can you remember it, guys? We all had to put together mm-hmm. our uh, our song lists. We all listened to each other's music. There was a lot of uh, Justin Timberlake from Sam. There was some too-cool-for-school tunes from myself and Baby Snake. No, not Baby Snake. Um, Baby Shark. <laughs> Baby Shark from uh, from Bats. Sam
3: had a bit of S Club 7 as well, didn't you? <laughs> I, I, I just remember that bus journey. I, I got grilled for six hours. Firstly, I got stick for my music. There was a bit of Bieber in there, a bit of Nicki Minaj, bit of Rihanna. You know, I'm 22 years of age. I'm down with the kids. You boys listen to old rubbish music. I have the tunes on. And I remember, I think just for six hours, I got torn to pieces by everyone. Even, even Andrew McKenna was giving me stick. You know, it's bad when Mac is giving <laughs> you stick. But it was like, I didn't know. Do you remember the, the famous, I'll ask you boys, what's the biggest animal in the world? It's a blue whale. It's a blue whale. Jared asked me that question and I said giraffe. I didn't think it was the worst answer <laughs> in the world. But oh my God, you boys didn't let it go, did you? Oh, <laughs> oh, didn't want a blue whale. It's unbelievable. I just got, I got taken to pieces. Well, look, you also
0: um, got Gandhi. And the street artist um, Banksy mixed up as well, but we, we won't mention that. Okay, so anyway, we rock up in Candy. The team split. You got the former pros in the Good Hotel, and in fairness, the Airbnb, which I had come and seen in September before we before the tour, been shown around, would have been absolutely perfect for our needs. But after six hours and arriving in Candy, which is a beautiful place, it's almost like a, a small town inside a jungle or situated around a lake um, with baboons and monitor lizards and uh, eagles. And I mean, it's, it's, it's sumptuous, but we arrived slap bang in the middle of rush hour traffic to find that the accommodation that I had seen now didn't exist. And at the 11th hour, we had to find new digs. Um, I talked about getting stressed in Gaul. I also got slightly stressed at the hotelier when I realized that he'd ripped us off. Anyway, we're at the ground. Um, Bats has uh, survived a snake attack. Um, I'd woken up on the morning of the first day with the air con in our new digs leaking on my head. And we were all set, all <laughs> set for the second test match. And um, Johnny Bairstow, who missed the first test match, has not been selected for the second one because of course Ben Folks had come in and got mad at the match. And a, and a century so once again England won the toss decided to bat and, and once again lost early wickets and once again um, had uh, Sam Curran to thank alongside Joss Butler as the two put on a, a decent partnership to get England up to a defendable first inning score
4: Borreira again bows down the wicket he comes
0: takes it on the full and hits
4: it through mid wicket Matthews slips and it's four here comes Pushpukumara bowls to Butler on the back foot and punching it through extra cover
1: well, that's another boundary. Here's a Pereira. He bowls again now, and uh, doesn't matter who is in the field because there's no stopping that wonderful back foot stroke.
0: So England posted 290 in first innings, and that's this is again where the spin attack that England possessed in 2018 uh, was not as strong as the one they possessed in 2011-12 when they beat India in India. But the likes of uh, of Jack Leach and Adil Rashid and of course, Mohin Ali really came to the fore in this test match as they did for the entire series.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think and I remember speaking at the time, the thought that had gone into the attack with having a left arm spinner in Leach, with having an attacking off spinner in Mohin, and with having an attacking leg spinner uh, struck googly in Rashid was a beautiful balance. And it was kind of over the three test matches, how it evolved, who who took centre stage and Who'd taken all of the wickets, but as a as a as a collective, the way they bowled, it was generally Leach that was throwing the ball first to try and hold the game. Then once there was a breakthrough, then Mo would come on to try and take more wickets. Or Rash, Rash would definitely be the one that would be bowling more at the tail because of his googly, trying to drag them wide and then hit them on the pad. Um, and they all had their their day in the sun, as it were. Uh, they all had good. Uh, performances um, in the outcome of wickets and so on and so forth. But as a collective, as a three, it was absolutely magnificent. It was almost like the Australian great team of of the early 2000s where you had McGrath, you had Brett Lee and you had Gillespie. They just complemented each other beautifully. And England went about that and planned it. It was definitely planned that way. The whole way through that series, it was very, very impressive how they planned that three-prong attack that was going to do the majority of the work.
0: Uh, meanwhile, Sam, uh, you'd taken it upon yourself to start recording interviews with some of the Barmy Army. And one of the guys that you met had had an interesting tale, hadn't it, that went viral. Do you want to explain? Or show it, actually, <coughs> let's listen to let's the guy's it. tale.
5: Before the uh, Gold test, um, I went out to uh, Una Watuna Beach um, for a beach party with the Barmy Army. Um, come out at two o'clock, a little bit wobbly, I'd say. Um, just, uh, just a little bit? Yeah, ju- well, a lot. <laughs> um, but, um, took took driver approached me, charging miles too much. I thought I'd just walk up the road and get a cheaper one. Um, unfortunately, um, I came to a dark spot, there was no street lighting, walked straight into a storm drain, um, up to my neck in dirt, it was pouring a rain. Dirty, filthy water in my mouth, my ear. <laughs> I've thrown my clothes away. It was disgusting. But unfortunately, have I a, look have at a that. Uh, bit of a, a war wound for the cause.
3: <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. That, yeah. But uh, you managed to get yourself <laughs> home. But look, it's Lanka. Yeah, I, was, I,
5: was I was still there, to um, which brought a, a bit of a, a, a in my throat and a tear at the eye. I was there at um, ten o'clock for Jerusalem for the first over. Yeah with me hardly being out yeah. or walk and me, and me arm throbbing like mad but I got there I um, made sure I got there on that first day and having fun though in Sri Lanka it a brilliant is, day a few beers I'll, today I'll tell you what um, I will do it this afternoon I had a heavy night again last night but I didn't fall down any storm drain um, yeah, I'm mean, having as you can tell by my throat. Usually, uh, um, people who go out partying and all that usually got sort of throats and things like that. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I definitely am. And the cricket's been fabulous, yeah. and we've been lucky with the weather as well.
0: So that was your job there, Sam. Uh, yeah. How did you find that guy?
3: Before? Just, just to be honest, potluck. I mean, that I interviewed about you know ten, fifteen England fans who. You know, had a few drinks and all that. But this guy had a few drinks, ended up in a ditch. And the best bit was I saw him the next day and he said to me, oh, mate, people are coming up to me now, recognising me in bars and everything. The video, went, the video went everywhere and got like, I think, 35,000 views on, on Twitter. But I, I love doing that. I've You know, just walking around and talking to England supporters who had some brilliant stories and had been all over the world. But, yeah, there was a few England fans that, yeah, come into the day and had a few too many pints in the sun.
0: So back to the cricket. And uh, despite some pretty good bowling, it was Sri Lanka who had the 50 run leads on first innings and then upstepped Joe Root. Uh, a century, um, along with a 50 again from uh, from Ben Foulkes to, to really take the impetus away from Sri Lanka. And, uh, you know, for a guy that does get criticised a lot, just showing a little bit of class there, Bats. Yeah, I mean, he's one
2: of. When he finishes, and let's hope he doesn't finish for a long time, it will go down as one of England's greats. Um, And at the start of his career, he'd been so brilliant. And it's the poison chalice of being England test captain. Uh, People just criticise more and more and more. But um, the way that he played and accumulated, um, put the Sri Lankans under pressure was just absolutely beautiful. It was masterful, the way he just dissected their attack. And, And by the... I suppose by the point he would got to the hundred, they, they were looking around the field. Who can we bowl now? He's just, he's taken everybody apart. We've got no control. And it actually married up quite nicely with how folks had then played. It was, it was just sublime stuff from England's captain. And he probably doesn't and didn't get the recognition um, that he required. for that second test match was a big, a big, big point in the series. And the way that he played and stepped up um, definitely gets, uh, England to the position they end up after three Test matches. And he's given that a good hit, really good
1: hit. In fact, it's an even better than good hit. Incredible shot! What a way to go to fifty. Ben
4: folks, to the man of all—a sweep and a power yes. sweep—and he's beaten midwicket and he's got fifty. Rory Burns take a bow, but only a small one because there's a lot of work to be done. That's a terrific half-century from Rory Burns. 52 from 61 deliveries. Here's Luckmile again,
1: charging in, he bowls, and Root goes back and he edges the ball to the third-man boundary. Little leap in the air, a big punch of the right arm and fist, with England gunning to win the second test. The captain has made a splendid hundred.
0: So that was Ben Folks with another 50, a maiden test 50 for Rory Burns as well. And, of course, that Century for Joe Root. Uh, you're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2.
4: him. First ball with the new ball. And he's gone through Jimmy Anderson's defence. And that's clattered into the off-stump. Anderson goes, bold till Ruan Pereira for 12. Ben Foulkes is left unbeaten on 65. And there's a beautiful symmetry to England's total of 346. It's a lead of exactly 300. Sri Lanka will need 301 for an unlikely victory.
0: You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm John Norman. Alongside me, Gareth Batty and Sam Mellard, looking back at England's tour of Sri Lanka, which was live and exclusive on TalkSport 2 back in 2018. So Sri Lanka now set 301. And they lose three quick wickets, and it's Jack Leach who took each and every one of them. Ha ha, Stumping!
1: What about that bit of cricket? Floated it up there and spun it. Drew Kushal Silva out of his ground, and Ben Folks distracted the wicket. Jack Leach who turns to face us and bowls again now down the left side. He's caught it. Oh, short leg Keaton Jennings oh, has pulled off one of the great catches, and I do not exaggerate. Oh, Tony, LBW call, LBW. Oh, they're really asking with passion. Wicket's hitting
4: three reads. Rather than recommend a you change of decision to out, you're on screen now.
0: So England absolutely on top, um, but there's still a little bit of drama, isn't there, Sam? In <laughs> <laughs> uh, amongst the, the commentary team. First off. We'd had an absolute nightmare. Now, the the stadium in Kandy, unlike some of the other stadiums in Sri Lanka, which, you know, could probably do with a little bit of a lick of paint, they've got plenty of character to them, don't get me wrong. But Kandy is a modern stadium. It's in a picturesque setting, a beautiful city. But we did encounter some problems. The commentary booth that we had wasn't quite big enough for our needs. And it did take me two days to get them to open the door to the commentary (laughs) booth next door. (laughs) even though nobody was using it, but that...
3: That wasn't the only problems we faced, was it? No, it wasn't. <clears throat> on, on doors, by the way, it's incredible on these on these tours, how many doors are just locked. You can't get into these doors. <laughs> it's incredible. But yeah, I, I always found as assistant producer, one of my more challenging roles was getting talent, shall we say, into certain positions they should be in. I always thought one of the, one of the worst jobs was getting them from the commentary box onto the outfield. There was always moans about that. But this time we had problems with lunch. Um, normally, we're very fortunate we get food for us and we didn't have to walk very far for food. But I think on day one and day two, we had to walk to the other side of the ground um, to get our lunch. Um, I told Gav Batty about this. to mate, you'd have to get food over there. No problems at all. Off he goes. Matt Pryor, Jared, Manners, everyone else. Food, other side of the ground. No problems at all. I then come to Darren Goff, And I deliver, <laughs> I del- I deliver the news to the big man that he's got to walk about five minutes. No more than five minutes to get nice cooked food for him. And of course, as you can imagine, he wasn't best pleased that he had to walk. But what he was moaning about wasn't necessarily the walk. It was the fact that he thought he was going to get spotted by everyone. You know, it'd be mayhem. People coming up to him, asking for pictures, and he just, it'd, be too, it'd be too much for him to handle. So I had to kind of walk with him, escort him, shall we say, across the grass bank to the other side of the ground. I tell you. Two people came up to him and shook his hand. That was it. And there must have been about, you know, thousands of people on the grass bank. No one even noticed him apart from two old England fans. And that was it. But, oh, my, it's one of those, you don't hear the end of it, do you? Like, go for dinner that night, and he mentions it. Oh, Sam, make sure we don't have lunch over there somewhere. He doesn't let it go, does he? And, you know, we're very fortunate getting paid to be there. But, oh, that walk. Five minutes of coffee in my ear moaning. Unbelievable. (laughs) I tell you what. I'll tell you what.
2: You need lockdown extended for another four months because next time you go in the office, he's going to have your badge. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm bang. I
0: don't think he listens to talk sport too, so I think I'll be all right. <laughs> I'm going to ring him and tell
4: him. Oh, no, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Sam, what about the bet that you had
3: with Matt Pryor talking about food? Yeah. So I mean, I was quite fat then. Um, I've lost. I have lost quite a lot of weight now. But I was a big. I was a big guy. We had about. Five weeks in between the end of Sri Lanka and the beginning of of the West Indies tour, the the test series kicked off the West Indies tour. And Matt, all he went on about was running and cycling and losing weight. And yeah, he challenged me to this bet. He said, who can lose more weight in between tours? And I just thought, I know Matt's a professional sportsman and he's very on it, but I had so much weight to lose. I thought, (laughs) I'm going to take him up on it. I could do him here. Like, I know he's going to work hard, but if I put my mind to it, I could definitely lose more weight than him. And the winner... Or the loser, I should say, had to um, pay for another one in the Caribbean. What was the restaurant called? Do you want to remind me of the restaurant in in um, the Caribbean? Lone Star. Lone Star. Lone Star, which is a a very, very posh restaurant, very well known, very high market, high prices. And I took him on. Who could lose more weight in the five weeks? And uh, to cut a long story short, no surprise, I got beat. I lost. And I had to to try, I think I tried to put it through expenses, didn't get through, but I had to buy a Massey Pryor. Uh, a stake in in Lone Star thankfully he wasn't drinking because he was on a health kick otherwise it would have been really expensive but that's the last (laughs) time I'm going to bet any sportsman any bet when it comes to physical activity what about, well I'll tell you what
0: we'll talk about the train journey in a minute but England wrapping up victory I'll tell you one other thing about Matt Pryor I won't say who it is but one of our commentary team midway through this test match said it would be a was essentially hoping England lost And the rationale was that they'd lose the second test match. It would be one apiece. Then we go to Colombo and everything's still on the line. And Matt Pryor's face and reaction when he heard that, he was like, what? You want England to lose? It kind of justified every bit of anger that he had had as a player towards the press box. (laughs) And the commentator in question was like, Oh no no! I, I still want England to win. I just think the drama would be better. Matt was having <laughs> no, <laughs> none of it. I
3: wonder who that commentator
0: was. <laughs> anyway, England did wrap up victory. It was uh, another another four wickets for Marine Alley. They won the match and the series. Uh, let's hear how that happened on Talksport.
1: Two here's uh, Jack Leach to bowl to. Uh... God. Pushed Kamara. Yeah. And is that it? Is that it? Is he chipped it straight back? Or is it a bump ball? The umpires are coming together to talk. Well, we're about to see the signal made and you're about to hear the word out. The news from Palakele is that Joe Root's team have beaten Sri Lanka by 57 runs. They've taken the series
0: 2-0 with one to play. So England go 2-0 up with one to play. And uh, it just gave us, um, gave us a day out in candy, didn't it? We had another day off. And I, if memory serves, we use that time doing, for one day, what Neil Manthorpe does every day. And that is run for about two hours. Can you remember that run around Candy Lake, Bats? Me, you, and yeah. Neil Manthorpe. Fast forward to the West Indies, and Neil Manthorpe's running around with those, I think they're things you put around your ankles when you go deep-sea diving to keep you on the, gro- <laughs> on the ground. And he's running around that polo field at the bottom of Jody Kidd's house. Um, <laughs> Neil Manthorpe, actually, both of you, can give the listeners a bit of an idea about what it's like to tour with Neil Manthorpe.
2: Well, when it's not cricket time, the hardest thing is finding him because he's generally off running or trekking or exploring or just doing something, Um, whether it be one of his articles he's doing. Um, But to put it in perspective, he doesn't do marathons. He does this thing called ultras, which is in South Africa. It's a big South African thing. And ultras are basically like ninety. Uh, kids, I believe, not not yeah. just your not just your twenty five miles or whatever. It's like ninety. It's like in the in the extreme heat. It's it's kind of like you know a bit mental, really. But he is a phenomenal runner, and it's the, it's the thing that he does to to in, you know to to keep himself sane when it's touring. You know, it sounds all glamorous being in Sri Lanka for six weeks, two months, whatever, and it is to to a, a massive degree. But we forget two months is is a long time away from family, friends and a normal sort of existence. Um, and that's his way of, of sort of dealing with that. So it's not just players that do it. You know, there are people that, that follow the teams around and, and have their coping mechanism as well. And, and his, for a huge number of years, has been this running. And wow, does he... i I've tried doing it a couple of times with him for his extended stuff. And it's like two, three hours he'll zip off for. And I'm like, what? Give me an hour, I can I can knock out my 10, 15 kids, whatever, no problem. But as soon as you're getting into the 15, 20, 25, I was like, wow, this is just uh, all getting a bit too much. Yeah,
3: but I mean, his day would be he'd ride in the morning, go and do a test match, and then would write in the evening. He literally was non-stop for eighteen hours, eighteen hours of the day. But I think as a commentator, I think one of the best around in terms of like painting a picture, oh. setting the scene, his knowledge as well. Even just talking to him on, um, on, on the bus. I mean, he's covered cricket South African cricket for what 20 25 years his knowledge of the game is is excellent and also um I think we'll all agree one of the nicest men you'll ever meet ever
0: yeah yeah we'll go, I'll go with that um a real character and and as you say he's been touring for 25 years and he's worked out a way to make it work for him because mm-hmm. you know you talk about the stress and the the strains of being apart from family and all that kind of stuff and you're absolutely right but it's the health side of things as well if you're uh, you're sitting there... I used to have one of those Fitbits. And, you know, on a normal day, you can walk around. On your normal day, you will walk 10,000 paces. But what I noticed is, one of the days that I was reporting for TalkSport and the cricket, I, d- I was sitting down for eight hours. Um, so, yeah, it's about health. It's physical health, mental health. And, uh, yeah, it was a testing tour. But, but Manners was always the guiding light, wasn't he? Uh, let's have a little chat about that train journey, though, because we decided to forego the bus for the journey from Kandy to uh, back to back home, back to Colombo. Instead, we were going to take the Rattler. It was a a five, no, how long was the train journey? It was about uh, however long it was, four hours or so. um, From the the centre of uh, Sri Lanka. And essentially, you're coming down from mountainous terrain back to the coast or near the coast. And so we're all sitting in here. We couldn't get first class tickets, of course. So we're sitting in second class, but it was fine. Absolutely fine. We're all sitting there. There's myself on the right and uh, (laughs) there's you Bats and Matt Pryor on the left. Now, this train was hugging the mountain. So I was on the right. And if I looked out the right and I refused to look anywhere other than out the window to the right, there was basically rock face, probably about a foot from my face. But it was a slightly different view from your side of things, wasn't it? And it was a little bit of an unexpected view, if the shrieks and yells (laughs) (laughs) are anything to go by, when suddenly foliage and trees made way for expanse.
2: Yeah, heights are not my thing. And I I think to say it was hugging the mountain is a bit of an over-exaggeration. It was (laughs) tiptoeing. teetering on literally a line this wide (laughs) and from my window if you looked you could see it looked like about a mile down to the bottom I mean the views were amazing if you could take out that huge drop that you know as much as I love Sri Lanka you know I'm not sure I trust certain aspects of uh, travel shall we say and I, I was fractionally worried for the first sort of three or four occasions that that happened and then literally there was a bit about halfway through the journey where we were in dense jungle and it opened up again. And we were, we were in between carriages, you know, and the, the, the windows opened fully and we were sort of leaning out and this sort of thing. And it opened out fully. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't actually that scared of heights. And I felt like Michael Bailey and I thought I had my khaki clothes on. I was traveling around the world doing like a, a travel documentary. And it was just absolutely amazing. The whole journey through the, the mountains and then um, took them out the other end. There was a big debate whether we should do it shouldn't do it. And I remember Goffy said, don't be stupid. You shouldn't be doing it. It's stupid. It's not safe and blah, blah, blah. It was arguably top three things we did in Sri Lanka. It was brilliant.
3: Am I right in thinking, boys, that did Andrew McKenna and the producer, Sal, did they travel via, was uh, it a special chartered plane or? Helicopter. Not with the England team, was it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, they, um, they went on a helicopter to the north of the island where there'd been some mines cleared and then they... Essentially, they they flew onto Colombo, and you're right. Goffey didn't. Oh no, didn't Nico? He had a
3: special j- driver, didn't he?
0: No, yeah, Nico. No, Nico took the Al driver, and <laughs> didn't Butch and Goffey. They were in a cab that took six hours to get there or something.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, We'd you rather a cab than a beautiful journey, scenic route like we did. Well, they oh. had
0: to they had to transport their golf clubs, didn't they? Oh,
3: the
2: golf
3: yeah, that clubs. was it. That was it.
0: Plenty more to uh, to talk about the cricket collective. We are going to talk about the third test. Um, We're going to talk about the one real moment that bats did have a sense of humour failure, and we're going to talk about the worst commentary box in history. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two.
1: Here's uh, a Lee bowl. Pushed back Amara. and is that it? Is that it? He chipped it straight back. This is it a bump ball. The upbars are coming together to talk. We're about to see the signal made, and you're about to hear the word out. The news from Palakali is that Joe Root's team have beaten Sri Lanka by 57 runs. They've taken the series 2-0 with one to play, and they've done it in some style. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2
0: I'm John Norman. Alongside me, Sam Elant and Gareth Batty. Bats, uh, the man who we've heard pretty much puts up with anything um, and does it with a smile. Okay, Bats, be, be totally honest here. Were you smiling on our arrival back to Colombo? Can you remember what was occurring that evening? It was uh, an event at the Shangri-La Hotel and it was a celebration of uh, of playing for england and everyone who could who everyone who had uh, ever played for england who was in sri lanka was invited along to this this evening it was a quiz it was drinks it was basically you guys you know celebrating your achievements but unfortunately your clothing suitable clothing was at our place in colombo And uh, we hit the worst traffic that we'd ever encountered until we actually tried to get out of Colombo for our flight. And it meant that you had to borrow some, basically you had to borrow some clothing to attend this uh, black tie event.
2: Yeah, I I think black ties may be a bit of an over exaggeration, but um, yeah, I've been in communications and it's, it was all happening and we were coming by our place so I could get my luggage because there was an event. It wasn't me being precious. It was, no, no, no. I had to sit, I'd had the clothes on for all day and it was a bit of a mess. We'd been on the train and we'd been running around and messing about. So it was basically board shorts and a t-shirt that was very scraggy, to be fair. And I, I needed something, just a little bit more, just a, a pair of jeans and a some kind of a, a reasonable t-shirt or something with a collar. And um, anyway, it got bounced around and I, I think it ended up somebody was being a bit precious that they needed their bags and blah 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 whatever. Anyway, I didn't get any. So I had to uh, go via Matty's accommodation to um to grab something to borrow. And Matty from his his playing days, he was always very, very, very strong. and and you know relatively uh, relatively good shape. But as he's retired, he just put a little bit on and he was he was sort of worried about this aspect. <laughs> And I had to go try on some of his stuff. And I was like putting, I look like Snoopy, you know, you know that character (laughs) in Snoopy that's got the clothes dragging on the floor and stuff, because I'm only short as well. But but I was still, I'm still sort of playing and I I tried to be careful with uh, keeping myself in some sort of nick. So I turned up to this event. The sort of thing that's not really my thing anyway, because it's kind of like, look, you, you know, you're intruding into the England environment and it's it should be you know, closed doors and not really allowed in and all this. And I'm big on all that sort of thing. So I was kind of like a little bit... Anyway, so I turned up looking like Mr. Ragtag, just dragged (laughs) off the street. And their boys were taking the mic, And it actually made it... It made the the event a bit easier for me and a bit more... uh, A bit more... Yeah, uh, the jokes were flowing at me a little bit more, rather than me intruding, which
0: uh, which felt a bit more... Felt a bit more like it should be. Well, uh, there was... um... There was another memorable moment on that uh, on that tour that took place in Colombo. I think it was probably, in some ways, it was. It might even be my favourite memory of the entire, in, of all of our tours, actually. It may be number one up there, but there are a lot of amazing memories. It was the talk sport versus Barmy Army cricket game. You remember? You played bats, Goffy played, Pryor played, Nico played. It was... <laughs> Oh, such a brilliant, brilliant day. And and a lovely little cricket ground as well. Colombo has got a lot of amazing little cricket grounds.
3: Now, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, um, I think it, it took some convincing, didn't it, to get, I think, in particular, Goffey to play. But I think when, it, when he heard that Nico was playing, he, he couldn't get out of it. But um, it was a great thing to do. I mean, I know that I think for me, I mean, to, to share a, a cricket pitch with the likes of, of Goffey and Bats and Matty. Uh, was was <laughs> like something? That. No, no, I mean it, bats. I mean it. I know that we had we had such a such a fun afternoon, We're having a right good laugh. I think for the Barmy Army as well to come up against you know former England cricketers was was brilliant. Mm. Um, and it was it was it was just really really good fun. I remember John you, um you had a, a Comrex, which is a, a piece of radio equipment on you, and you were doing hits live back into Talk Sport, doing live updates. I think we had a, a drink after it. It was, I think you're right, John, one of my favourite memories, just playing a game of cricket in the sun, having a mm-hmm. beer after. It was um, really, really good fun. I remember in particular, Bats, having a really good laugh with you. I think some of my fielding didn't go down too well, did it, with the, uh, the Talk Sport team. Some of my lazy no. fielding, but um, memories that I'll cherish forever. Yeah,
2: you didn't think fall- you made be me on the stick. It was the fact, you if it went past you, you didn't
0: chase it. And I was kind not of like, that's not how we do
3: it. Conserving bats. energy.
0: Bats. That is not what was wrong. I was bowling, <clears throat> really, you know, my canny, non-turning off spin from quite a high, good height. The only bowler Ramp- was the move, just stands there and throws it. <laughs> cramping cramping the, the batsman for room, you know, messing, <laughs> messing with his mind. So then I'm just about to close out what was going to be a, a pivotal over in the match real tight affair we went on to lose the match by the way by one run and i come so close to a leg before decision the batsman just jamming his bat down inside half of the bat seeing the ball squirt to deep backward square leg it's it's one run possibly two runs no hey. more than no more than two it was three i'd say a decent fielder would probably have just about managed to to, to keep them to one the, the, the team looks up. Who's fielding on the boundary? It's Sam Ellard. And he's got a chair. And he's sitting down in the outfield on a chair.
2: <laughs> I'd forgotten about this.
0: <laughs> and then he's not even watching. He's talking to somebody, probably asking him to get him a drink or a hot dog. And suddenly, the ball's skirting <laughs> to the boundary. By the time he realises it's too late to get the ball, the ball goes for four, and we lose the game by one run.
3: Two it's things, great. two things. Before I'm sure bats is gonna is gonna give me some some stick. Number one, momentarily before that, I'd saved two vital runs. I did a a long chase down to the boundary, slid on the ropes. I think, in fact, I'm sorry. I think I did that on two occasions back to back. So I just saved our team. Potentially, you did, the job. You did I, what you
2: meant to do. Well done, well done, yeah, that's brilliant, well
3: done. Yeah. I saved four pivotal runs, so apologies that I conceded one Hang extra on. run. Secondly, why didn't anyone shout? Someone should have said, you Sam, did. the ball's got... No, they didn't. That's Not, uh, why one... you
2: looked up. T- In fact, I'll tell you what was said, and I can't actually say it Bronco, <laughs> but it was something like, Sam, get off your... No!
3: <laughs> Listen, you have to remember, it was very hot. I'd just done two long chases. I needed a breather. It was unlucky the ball actually come to me for a third time. I t- I'll tell
0: you Et- what... Let- your excuse is a I... bit like a bowler saying, "Look, I took a wicket, so what's the issue with me not
3: bowling the rest of my over?"
2: You're right. Well, I do you know what? Thing...
3: You should have. Why weren't you on the boundary bat? You were standing. I think you were standing at a all game, weren't you?
2: Oh yes, mate. Well done. Um, basically, <laughs> the, the thing I remember most from that game was about halfway through. Bearing in mind, Nick up and the batting faced thirty balls and got one run. Um, done nothing. And then we got a couple of wickets and we were back into it. And I I wanted to bowl seamers because I've spent 20-odd years bowling spin. I was like, I'm not bowling spin today. I want to bowl some seamers. I want to enjoy myself. You know, that was the whole point of it, having a good day and enjoying ourselves. And Nico came up to me halfway through and said, Bats, you're one of the most economical bowlers in the country. We need you to come on there. And I was like, really? I'll come on, but I'm bowling seamers. He's like, no, no, come on, we can win it from here. And he was trying to give me this whole captain's (laughs) beat. from back in the day, and I was like, I'm sorry, pal. I literally want to play the game, yes, and I'll do my best, but I'm going to bowl teamers. And if we lose, we lose. I'm still going to have that beer with everybody else and that burger, because that's why we're here. And I'm not going to spin. And he would try to talk me into it for 10 minutes. And I, was, I didn't man. know that, that's brilliant. Oh, mate, I was like, I Come on. on. You've shown no interest the whole game, and now, now <laughs> a chance of winning. You've turned into the best captain that ever walked on the planet.
3: Did you get, did you get any runs,
2: Bats? Uh yeah I, think, I yeah, I don't
3: know. Yeah, th- don't I think yeah, I think you went you went quite well, didn't you? I think you batted better than you bowled. Yeah, I bowled faster, didn't I? I was fast. I know I was fast.
0: Rapid. <laughs> All of which brings us to the end of this podcast. Following on podcast, uh, thanks to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2, But part two of our watch along. I'll look back at Sri Lanka 2018 with myself, John Norman. Gareth Batty and Sam Ellard will be released as a podcast in the next 24 hours so you can listen, subscribe, download at Acast iTunes or on Spotify but thanks for listening to the Cricket Collective